Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Monday Morning Recap. My name is Matt, and I'm here with Pastor Jamal. Yo. And Pastor Todd. Good morning. And we're excited for you to join us today. Want to see, uh, how was your guys' weekend? Would you do anything, enjoy the weather, go to the beach at all? I had a grad party, I guess. Went to a grad party. It was pretty cool. Hung out with, you know, some of our students. It was pretty awesome. So, um, yeah, did that preached at another church um how did it go pastor jamal i actually wanted to ask you about that uh it was cool it was hot being outside obviously um but it was weird because i was underneath a canopy type thing but i was still like sweaty so it was like and it was like two services the first service was their english speaking church and the second service was their spanish speaking church so i needed a translator for the second service which is cool um because it also makes you think about well what, do i really need to say a lot of this like it makes you cut out some of the fluff um so that was pretty dope um but they they the people responded well and it was i don't know it was a good good day i think um plus it was just like one of those messages like oftentimes when i write my messages i feel like they come from a place of just like like myself like or that sounds real bad hold on like it comes from it comes from the lord but it's my, mainly most of the time it's an ad, it's addressed to myself, and so then it comes out. Yeah, you know, just that's just what it is. Um, and uh, yeah, I was excited. I don't know. I thought it was a really good message because um, when God was speaking to me about it, it was like real. Um, and yeah, people responded well. Nice. So I think the first service they tried to do Instagram Live, but they had their phone like out in the middle like it was just open like so the sun was baking yeah so i so at one point she's like oh my battery and she's not and she's like uh, i don't know how much of the sermon they caught because of this and i was like yeah well that'll happen if you leave it out there <laughs> so i don't know so i mean some people maybe got half a message but that's okay so yeah yeah, yeah that's good. well yeah you uh you get around speaking man pastor jamal people uh your voice is valued which, which is cool well Cool that we have you at our church here well, because you're, you know, people want to hear what you have to say. I don't know so. if that's cool or a liability, but you know, we'll let it. Uh, <laughs> I guess we'll let it float around and see what happens. But no, yeah, it's been cool to get um, to be able to speak in different places. I've never really, I don't know, there's just never anything in my mind that was like, oh yeah, I want to travel and speak and do this stuff. But like people have been given opportunities, so it's been cool. But it's also weird because it's like, I don't know. Sometimes they're like. Like, cause even I'll just be dead honest. Yesterday, Pastor Rose was like, "Oh, he is a leading voice in our network." I was like, "A leading voice?" I was like, "Jeez, Louise!" Like, I don't know about that. Like, at least that's how I feel. I just feel like I'm just another dude. So, but sometimes just that weight is just like, especially if I didn't, if I'm not looking for it, I'm like, "Well, where did this come from?" Like, yeah, I, yeah. I kind of don't like that. I want to fly under the radar. Like, that's what I want to do. Um, yeah, people people want to hear what you have to say. Pastor. Yeah, I guess what well, they you have a lot of wisdom. Okay, well, it's because I failed a lot. That's where that comes from. <laughs> the wisdom comes from the wisdom comes from failure, and especially if the messages keep coming from like places where God is like dealing with me about stuff. Then yeah, one hundred percent, I will I will fail so that you guys won't have to. I will be the dark knight. <laughs> I, 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 will, I will be the one uh, that the city will hate so that you guys can. Uh, would you rather me say you have you have a lot of experience? Would you rather me say that? Yeah, sure. I would, I because I could at least be like, yeah, no, that's true. I have a lot of experience in <laughs> dropping the ball or saying the wrong things. So I, you know, like I've said the wrong things enough times to know how to say the right ones. You know. Um, yeah, yeah, right. But but whatever. No, I I do I I appreciate the opportunity, but um, but yeah, it's definitely um, it's the more I realize that the opportunity is opening up the more i'm like oh snap i should probably uh i should probably like say less <laughs> and and uh and maybe focus on some other things but it's cool though at the same time so. yeah yeah has you tried to do anything fun uh my weekend was spent fixing holes in our walls from all the little pinholes from pictures hanging up that we take down and move around and we're going to get painting to try to clean everything up, make everything look nice and fresh. So um, it was a lot of fixing popped nails out of the walls and stuff. Yeah. 
So fun, mm, <laughs> uh, but needed to be done. So, mm, there you go. so yeah, that was that was kind of it. And uh, <clears throat> Saturday we just kind of drove around, looking at, um, dreaming of other places we could be living instead of where we're at. So we just drove around and be like, oh, that would be nice to live there. Look at that. But you know. Yeah. Wallets and dreams are not always they don't ruin. Yeah, they don't yeah, they don't always <laughs> line up. They don't always line up. Otherwise my Maserati will be parked right outside, you know what I mean? Or you see the ones that you can't afford and you're like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just saw a rat crawl into that one, so I'm yeah. not sure. <laughs> yeah. Actually I wouldn't want a Maserati, actually now that I think about it. I actually would really just prefer something practical <laughs> even if i had money i'd be like what's the most practical thing here a van give it to me yeah. van me up you i've know? actually never been a car guy like i know yeah, a lot of guys are into cars mm-hmm. and like actually part of my thinking with that too is like dude it takes one person to like mess it up and then it's done which speaking of which what i think i may have showed you guys when i got my car i got it last year from somebody uh, dude, like two weeks into it, somebody like keyed the back of my trunk and everyone's like, there's like no way, whatever. Right. But like when you look at the pattern and I didn't park by any trees, this and that, I'm like, it had to be somebody dragged something across. Yeah. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. No, you got to be careful out there, especially those runaway shopping carts. Those sometimes mm-hmm. will get you when yeah. you least expect it. And so. the thing is too, is you have a nice, nice, super duper f- um, racy type car it mm-hmm. looks nice where are you going to put anything in it <laughs> like there's no yeah. trunk there's you know like and I'm a big guy so I prefer mm-hmm. a little bit more space you know yeah, love that I space. like having a trunk yeah. you know and, and I think too like even when I think about some of the race cars so because my dad my dad was my dad's a mechanic my uncle's a mechanic I think we talked about this last Father's Day but oh, guess, yeah, but, yeah. so they're like mechanic minded dudes and so they'll sometimes just rattle off interesting stats and you know specs about different cars and so my dad's like yeah you know this car only sits four inches off the ground i'm like yeah that's unfortunate why would i ever want that car especially in new jersey when nor'easters and snowstorms come through like bumps man i'm (laughs) like dude four inches off the ground you tearing that thing up real quick so it's just Plus it's I not get practical. in it and now it's like two inches off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> you know same, same, same. No, I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, we, Rebecca and I did some home decor this weekend. We went to Ikea because they opened up. It was like going to Disney. You had to wait in a line. This is this whole thing. But it was fun. It was fun. And now, like, you know, I'm excited to have some young adults over. So I got to find out when we're going to do that because, you know, I know things are opening, but. I don't know. We, we got to figure out when that's going to happen. But uh, got some plants, some different stuff. So it looks a little more decorated. Nice. Nice. So, yeah. So let's talk about the sermon. Pastor Jeff started a new series called You're Not the Boss of Me. And um, I really loved uh, the sermon, loved week one. And I really personally feel like it was very timely, the message, you know, just what he talked about and stuff. The series, You're Not the Boss of Me, um, it's how to say no to the emotions that compete for control. And, oh, being that this is the podcast, I think we can say it here. We were playing with, he wanted to get t-shirts and maybe have, uh, I I was like, oh, I guess you know, maybe like the worship team, like we could all wear them or something and be kind of cool. But there's no other context to that shirt. And I uh, kind of realized like with everything going on that may not be the right message like you're not the boss of me it's a black shirt uh, like with white text it may be like uh, you, you could take it on any way you want really yeah, i mean it's not that. saying not, uh... it's not <laughs> saying one way or the other it's like you could take that any way you want and so yeah like, uh... and, and generally speaking when i hear that you're not a, the boss of me it's usually like you're not the boss of me yeah. like it's <laughs> yeah, not necessarily whiny. a positive context yeah. and i always think of that song from what was it malcolm in the middle you're not the boss of me, no. You're not the boss of me, no. It's oh, yeah, yeah. Theme song, so I'm, yeah. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. I know. Yeah, so, you know, so anyway, we st- decided against it. Just as a little fun fact for the podcast, those listening. <laughs> so, we, yeah, we're not doing it. But we're going to, we are looking to do T-shirts for September, possibly, for Better Together. And, again, see, what works there is there's the rewearability there. You can wear right. a shirt that says Better Together. Oh, what is that? Or you could put, you know, the church on it. And like, oh, is that your church? Whatever, but. 
So anyway, but uh, but all that to say, you're not the boss of me. Great series, and it's about the emotions <laughs> that that become the boss of us. Yeah, guilt, envy, anger, greed, and um, again, I think it makes a lot of sense for where our society is now. So he started out with saying that we all monitor our behavior to some degree, and there's reasons that we do that, right? We want to stay out of trouble. We want people to like us. You, If you want a job, you know, you got to monitor your behavior and then to keep that job and even in relationships and stuff. And um, he said, you know, Jesus invites us to take monitoring to a new level that we need to actually look inside our heart, and that was kind of the whole message. But I was thinking about this. You know, does that mean that we don't, need to monitor our behavior like oh it's bad am i faking it like this isn't you know i'm I'm just on display for people you know we talk about masks not physical masks but oh are you wearing a mask are you really being yourself so was he kind of saying or or it's just us talking now like you shouldn't be monitoring your behavior be who you really are say what you need to say or i don't know i just kind of thought that to myself maybe you could have listened and thought that to yourself i think I think the challenge of monitoring your behavior, I don't think it's necessarily wrong. I think the challenge comes in when it's only I'm monitoring my behavior, but I'm not really worried about what's going on in my heart. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like sometimes we're really good at presenting something to others because we know that that is um, what is acceptable in that situation. But when it comes to our heart, like we still hold on to things in our heart. Um, Wednesday night in Bible study, we were talking about the mouth and uh, the tongue and, and being um, careful about what you say and stuff like that. And, and one of the things I had said is, it, it, um, now I got to think of how I said it, but like sometimes when we get angry and we say stuff, we're like, oh, I didn't really mean it. I didn't really mean it. But I think in those moments, sometimes what happens is we let our filter down. Oh, yes. Yeah. You yeah. We let that. our filter down and what's going on in our heart leaks out. Uh, because our anger in that moment overwhelms our filter ability or whatever. And so that's the case where, like, we know, oh, this is really what I'm thinking in my heart, but I know I shouldn't really say that. Like, I know I know there's certain things I should not say to Stephanie, you know, because I, cause I like her and I don't want to ruin that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yet I might still be feeling that in my heart. So I, I think monitoring behavior isn't necessarily a bad thing but i think it has to go beyond just just filtering what i say and yet harboring that thing still in our heart if that makes sense yeah 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 Yeah. so i agree i think monitoring i think you are supposed to monitor your behavior because monitoring your behavior in essence you allow in in essence what happens is by monitoring my behavior i see the fruit of um i see the fruit of something that is maybe rooted in my heart that i need to keep just you know examining uh bringing before the lord uh so that he can deliver me from it so you know there i believe that there is an aspect of monitoring your behavior that that we're supposed to do it because it's almost like if you think about it like i guess like an ekg right or not an ekg but like monitoring your behavior is a way to like what you're saying see what's going on in your heart what's really going on and i so and so one of the things Pastor Jeff did mention, he was like, he mentioned guilt. And if I'm being honest, I don't, like, I know what he's saying there. Like, you shouldn't let guilt control you. But I think that there are some of us who hide behind guilt when it's really conviction. And I think that that needs to also be, like, taken into account. Because when you That's really try good. to cover your conviction by saying, oh, someone's trying to make me feel guilty for something, mm-hmm. it can be easy to toss it to the side as opposed to really taking a look as to why their conviction is there and what's really going on in your heart and whether or not you need to address it. I don't think that, and I, I, I'll say like this, I think we're really good at that. I think yeah. it happens more often than we'd like to openly say. And so monitoring, or excuse me, taking a look at guilt and examining it and seeing whether or not it's conviction or not, I think is important um, because sometimes I think we just try to hide there um and feel like we're okay and that we could keep doing saying or believing some things when reality if you're a believer and you're living or you're call and you're called to a transformed life then yeah there's no place and no room for some of that stuff yeah that's really good that's really great that you point that out and i think too like i guess i had thought of this question as in 
monitoring behavior sounds a little maybe on the negative side of the, like like whatever but if we say self-control we're all like oh yeah duh you have to have self-control no, right. i agree and so it's funny just maybe just the language mm-hmm. but um you know so i uh, he, he said the main text was matthew fifteen eighteen, where jesus says it's not what comes uh not what goes in that defiles you it's what comes out of your mouth because what comes out of the mouth reveals what's in your heart and so just pulling it up here yeah the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart that's what defiles you and so he goes through the story, and again, really love the sermon, and um, really great passage. And so he starts with the accusation that the scribes, they come from Jerusalem, kind of like headquarters, religious headquarters. I heard that little Springfield joke. That's mm. funny, which we actually have a meeting after this. Mm. <laughs> Not with Springfield, but, you know, kind of the same thing. So uh, with headquarters, they're trying to trap him, and he said he had this comment you know, it's always the religious people who are giving Jesus a hard time. It's not the lost or the unbelievers when you read the Gospels. And so, same thing, I thought, I just want to throw that at you guys. What do you think about that? Why do you think it's always seems to be the religious people? Or maybe f- flip it more, how do we, what do we need to be aware of as if, say, the Gospels were written today, Jesus is around today, we would be, quote, the religious people. I know we don't like to use that terminology, but I feel like if I'm reading myself into this here, I know God, I follow God's ways, I read his word. So in the story, I'm probably more like the Pharisees. At least that's how I feel a lot of the times. Maybe you guys can speak to that, but I want to throw that at you. Yeah, I think uh, my first thought is, and maybe we, I think we've said this before on the podcast, I feel bad sometimes for the Pharisees and the scribes because you under, there's, a, there's a level of, at least from my perspective, where I understand where they're coming from, you know, that's what I'm saying. I, I feel like for so long, uh, oh, the Pharisees are always the bad guys. They're always the villains. Mm-hmm. And then as I got older and I'm like reading more, I'm like, you know, I actually have, I like understand where they're coming from. Yeah, you from. understand. It doesn't mean that they're not yeah. still wrong, but yeah, you yeah, understand. Not, yeah. Yeah, yeah, But I'm like, so, I, I get it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so you understand, at least from their scope, you know, here's this guy who comes on the scene. You know, he's teaching and preaching. He has authority. And he's kind of, he's pushing back against a lot of their you know traditional views thoughts and practices you know within their religion but some of the reason why they even have those things is because they as a you know as a people have uh diverted from god's ways so many times you know and and sometimes the most subtle of ways and so um when somebody comes along with a teaching that's off or different than what they've grown accustomed to they sometimes respond by saying whoa 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 like let's not get away from these things and repeat history like we've done so many times before so you kind of understand why they want to cling to those things and they want to say wait a minute why aren't you know like we do these things to keep ourselves from going off you know the beaten path from going off um the rails and so you i don't want to say you empathize with them but you definitely are like yeah, no, I get it, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. We had, and I don't remember who it was, but several years ago uh, when we were still meeting here in the old sanctuary, the, the youth room, um, we had somebody come in who, um, man, I wish I remembered who it was, if he was Jewish himself or if he worked with Jewish ministries. But he had talked about, like, the Pharisees a lot of times were um, – concerned about keeping the teachings of scripture pure like like protecting what they knew to be right and it's long what pastor jamal was talking about but it like it's easy for us to look at them and say well you're just being legalistic or you're being this but part of their concern was they wanted to make sure that people were sticking to scripture you know and that um they were trying to prevent the influence of like the roman Yes. You know, the the Roman civilization, all these different pagan religions from seeping in and, and changing things. And so they fought really hard to keep those things. The problem is their response was they went from trying to s- stay clear to scripture to over reacting in some of the things and being like these traditions you have to keep too. And and so that's I think that's how we prevent ourselves from becoming Pharisees. I think is, are we looking at scripture and we're trying to live scripture or are we taking our own 
traditions and preferences and making them law. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's a really great thought. And actually from what you were just saying too, about how they wanted to preserve scripture and teaching, I, um, from different reading, I've been checking out when we were doing Nehemiah on Wednesdays, but even some other reading I've been doing, um, that actually makes a lot of sense because when the nation of Israel, you know, the Northern and Southern kingdoms were exiled, the temples destroyed, they have, uh, oh, and they're exiled. So they're, it's an attempt to destroy their national identity. So that's when the scriptures came to the forefront of like, um, you know, like the prophets, they took the prophets seriously. Now, now they're regarded as scripture. Um, uh, and I think, yeah, that, so that would be during Daniel's time and stuff. So some people think that could be where the idea of the Pharisees like um, began because this is, they had to, uh, and then when, so when Nehemiah came back, he had to kind of almost redefine who was a Jew, he and Ezra. And so they're like, okay, Jewish people, we, we live according to the law of Moses, blah, 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 blah. So now you go a few hundred years to Jesus's time. Yeah, because they're taken over by the Romans. They don't have their own autonomy as a government anymore. So this is what became their understanding. Th- this was their identity, was to live out the scriptures this way. So it makes a lot of sense. It's like, oh, it makes sense that this was their emphasis. But then like what you said, Pastor Todd, was really good is when, or well, how did you say it? You said it so well like about it doesn't tra- become law. Yeah, like our traditions or our preferences. We don't want that to become law because then we are doing what the Pharisees said. Oh, you're not circumcised. You're going to hell. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're. You're, uh, you didn't do communion on the last Sunday of the month <laughs> or the mm. first Sunday of the month, mm. yeah. you know, and, yeah. or, or how come we sang three songs today instead of four, you know, or, or the debate sometimes like over hymns as opposed to choruses, like those things are all preference things. But when we make it equal to scripture, that's when we become right. Pharisaical. Or, or that's the reason I'm coming to church or the expectation, right. There, well, so, yeah, so Pastor Jeff had a great um, quote. He said, you know, traditions are meant to enhance our worship, but sometimes we worship our traditions, and so they, traditions can be good and bad. And um, so maybe kind of along with that, how what are some ways, again, because I think it's easy for us to read a story like the Pharisees and say, oh, well, they wouldn't help out their parents. You know, it, we're outside of that realm, so we can point it out real easy, but maybe what are some ways that can help us to know when a, tradition can be good and when it can be bad because i also know people who traditions that's yucky anything traditional get away from me so how can a tradition be good and then also how can we maybe try to have our eyes open when it it can be distracting that's hard (laughs) that's a hard question because we like our traditions so it's hard to think of our traditions as sometimes being in the way (laughs) yeah right yeah so that's really hard that's a hard question it's like what you do so much of the time yeah, I don't I don't know. I think the traditions <clears throat> become yucky when <clears throat> when you lose sight of the why or if you become the why or you know, if you get new people to come in and they they ask you questions about some of those things and you get defensive. I think okay. then you can those are good indicators I think that you maybe have a few things that are you know maybe rooted in tradition and you might be worshiping them a little too much mm-hmm. um like if it doesn't make sense to somebody like if somebody comes in and i'm just thinking of a couple different instances but i'm trying to like not use them be as vague. examples <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Uh, but if Speaking people can code yeah i yeah, could yeah. well i could probably talk speak to one as because i'm just newer in my own experience and i don't think that nothing i don't think anyone would be upset by this but well so when i started here you know i come from a much less traditional church at searchlight um or again again in comparison but we have traditions at searchlight that's kind of what we're saying we have a way of doing things but Mm -hmm. anyway you know so come here and um communion sunday i noticed like i think people dressed up a little more or some people or the ushers did i don't know i don't know no one said anything to me and i'm like oh is this a thing and then like my uh, other people I know pastors at churches and I was like, Oh, communion Sunday. Like I've never thought of communion Sunday as like more significant than another Sunday. But I was like, Oh, I think maybe like, like, uh, should I wear a tie on communion Sunday? Like whatever. But, and like you said, pastor Jamal, so to your point, if, um, if we know the why behind, Oh, well, you know what? Some people do like to dress up for communion Sunday. 
because it's so important to them. And, and this is a, you know, as we read in scripture, we need to be doing communion and, um, we can really honor the Lord this way. And it, it, this is a way that I show my devotion to God. Like, great. But if, if it becomes, and I, I'm saying this because no one said this to me, if it became, Hey, where's your tie? It's communion Sunday. Why aren't you, why haven't you dressed up this and that? Um, you know, maybe that's where it can become in the way in that sense. You know, we've lost the why, and now it's about the dress up instead of the about the, the ceremony, the significance, the ceremony, right. yes, of communion that we're partaking of Christ's body as a community. That's what right. it's about. Right. Yeah. I hope that wasn't. I, I'm just using my own. I hope that no. Works. Yeah. Not, I think not. yeah. Like if if you're chasing optics, then yeah, it could probably it could be get problematic for you real quick. That's a conversation that comes up often in in my house. Um, because my wife is constantly, I I love her so much. She really does challenge me. She challenges me in the wise. And I think it's, it, the reality is this, like she's been in church way longer than I have. Mm-hmm. She's experienced church way longer than I have. Uh, and from different angles, you know, that I have not been privy to. So she asks questions that are, phenomenal questions i get annoyed with them though because i'm like i'm just trying to be great you know like but her questions almost always center around but but why why are you trying to be great and for who who are you trying to be great like they're phenomenal questions and sometimes i'm just like well why don't you just let me just have this let me just have this let me just run this like this and it will be fine but she's always like and I think part of it, too, is because some of her <clears throat> experiences have been seeing people in her family step away from church for the same things. And so in a lot of ways, what she's asking me is, are you sure you want to go down this avenue because you may lose some people? Like, it's it's <clears throat> very, I mean, she's so good. Like, I, yeah, she really yeah, is. Yeah. She's so good the way she frames it. But it makes me stop and think like, okay, yeah, why are we doing this as a youth ministry? You know, who are we trying to make happy as a youth ministry? Like, you know, is this serving me? Is this serving the gospel? Is this serving, you know, certain people in the church? Is it serving, you know, the kingdom of God? Like, who is this for? And it's always, it's good. And so sometimes, sometimes those questions actually are for our benefit if we'll let them press on us the in the right way they help us to polish the bride so she looks spotless you know so she is presented the way that we see she is in scripture and that's good even thinking of youth ministry again just my own experience like it's good to have say a a tradition like a Wednesday night. This is what Wednesday nights look like for us. You know, we do this, we do that, we do that. We play a game, we have an intro, blah blah blah. But then again, when they become, this is what we have to do, or um, it becomes more about this. You know, I guess we're just kind of saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. So that's really good, especially what Phyllis points out. So, and with that, maybe maybe a way for us to check if tradition or if we've become religious and Pharisaical or whatever. Uh, traditions are more important is when someone suggests to do it differently are we easily offended by that do we become overly critical of that Mm -hmm. like because if so then maybe we've held up a way of doing thing a a particular way of doing something over over scripture and what we're called to do you know what i mean like um yeah i'm just thinking because i i know sometimes when we do things on different when we do things differently, it makes us uncomfortable. Yeah. So is our first reaction we're uncomfortable and we're offended because it's different? Because then, cause then maybe that's that point that we've switched. Sure. You know. I think, too, one of the – I think a key, an, an indicator that something might be a tradition is if everybody looks and sounds the same about it. So if everyone – if it's an echo chamber, then that might be an indicator that it's more like people are spitting back rhetoric as opposed to like kind of like free thought about it. Um, sure. Like, you know, the last thing you want is for 
it to look like the Stepford Wives up in here. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. you don't want everybody, like, kind of, like, robot walking around, like, this is what we do because, you know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And, yeah, you, you, I don't know. I think that that is an indicator sometimes that we're pushing a tradition as opposed to um, allowing people to come to um, – I don't know how to word it, but the, the 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 picture I get in my mind is, it's one thing if a kid can spew back to me different passages of scripture, like verbatim. It's a whole other thing when they give me application that's specific to their heart about those passages of scripture. Does that make sense? I don't know how else to put that together, but like I feel like when a kid can say to me, "No, Pastor Jamal, this is it's like this because of this," and they're using like real life scenarios, things specific to them. I feel like at that point, it's not tradition. It's something that's, it's this organic living, like the word of God breathing and functioning within them. I, yeah. I don't know how else to word that. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's not, again, in youth ministry, you're not trying to train kids to just know all the right answers. Right. And that's our tradition. Um, Jesus is Lord. Prayer. Please, please fill out that box that you know who is God. It is yeah. Jesus. Read my know. Bible. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that is an element, of mm -hmm. course. But, but yeah, that it's living and breathing in their life and it's applying in their life. That's and and again, so back to to be positive here because I don't want to go too deep in the rabbit hole. Traditions can really help us sometimes right. too. They help us do those things. Having uh, church every Sunday. Why don't we just? move church to whatever day of the week we want. Well, Jesus rose from the grave on Sunday. And then so Christians started gathering on Sundays and it kind of works for our schedule. Like it works well to be in church once or at least once a week, you know, to be there, to make a rhythm, to make a schedule. That's a tradition, but that's, that, that could be a good thing. Yeah. Christmas Eve service for some people going yes. to Christmas Eve service really enhances their experience of Christmas. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. I think, yeah. So, so that's the balance. The balance is, Oh, you didn't come to Christmas Eve service? What's wrong with you? That's where it's become something that is detrimental. Yeah. But if, like, I really enjoy going to Christmas Eve service because it helps me really to to focus in on Christmas and celebrate, mm -hmm. then that's where it's positive. You know yes. what I mean? Like, sometimes it's that fine line that you could go either way, depending on which side you fall. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe a good way to fight that, too, is to maybe, like, Talk to your friends who go to different churches. See the way they do things and yeah. then appreciate some of the differences of how they do things. Not necessarily to say that you guys do it or you please don't hear me say hop around to churches. <laughs> but Yikes. but to to hear about how people do things differently and it works and it really enhances their faith. And then and then that way you don't get jaded about when things are different, but then you can also appreciate what you do do. Yeah. You know, and what others do and and, and see that there's this beautiful mix um, of traditions that are all valid, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really great way to put it, Pastor Todd. And, uh, again, I, I don't even think the focus of the message was about traditions in that sense. He, Jesus was calling out the Pharisees, and I, I think it was worth the discussion at least there. But, um, you know, Jesus really was focusing on, hey, it's what you do, and it's how you treat someone else. Right, I don't care what your tradition is. Mm -hmm. If what's coming out of you is this instead, right. I don't care if you do this for communion or you sing this song or you wear this or whatever. If when you talk to someone else, you say this, if, or if you don't care when someone else talks, you post this on Facebook, you say this to somebody at work. And that's what well, I, I already was like applying it, I guess, to our situations. But that's what Jesus was calling out in the Pharisees. Doesn't matter if your food's kosher, uh, right. if you're treating people the wrong way. And that's really powerful. So. Um, you know, so there was the accusation they had, then the answer that Jesus gave, that was kind of his answer is like a counter argument question and accusation. Um, and he got really specific. I, I thought that was really interesting how Pastor Jeff talked about that with honoring your mother and father and how they kind of found a way around it. Mm -hmm. And again, really easy for us on the outside to laugh about that, but it's, we do the same thing. We totally yeah. do, yeah. you know, um, and then Jesus says that you, when you do that, you nullify the word of God. So again, sorry, I don't want to be preaching here. Get some more questions. So um, how about this? So here's a question I had. The, so then the application, that's what Jesus says. Your heavenly father is more concerned about the things that come out of your mouth than the things that go in. 
God's not looking to say, gotcha, when it comes to food. I think that's what Pastor Jeff said. But here's a question for you guys. Isn't that what the Jews um, were taught, though? Like, isn't that the the law that God gave? Like, Jesus is criticizing them. Uh, it's not about what you eat. It's about what comes out of your mouth. Yeah, but the Bible said that the Scriptures, isn't it about what you eat? Like, you need to eat kosher food or you're unclean? Like, so is what's going on there? Or is God being, like, hypocritical? Like, God says one thing in the Old Testament. Oh, you better not eat this. Stay away from this. Don't eat shrimp, you know, like whatever and then in the new testament he's like oh yeah it, it doesn't matter it's okay it's just what comes out of you maybe maybe a little bit what's going on there i i guess part of it is because those things became the totality of their faith with god hmm. you know what i mean like like washing your hands is a sign of you having a relation you honoring god as opposed to their heart i, I don't think it was wrong that they wash their hands before they mm. please do that uh, I don't think it was wrong that they were concerned about um, some of their traditions I think the problem is the traditions was the totality of their relationship with right. God and I think that was yeah. some of the issue there because really we are commanded to do certain things you know uh, communion can be since we're talking about communion communion can be like that like we become all about communion because Jesus told us to do it and we're supposed to do it and we totally, that becomes the fullness of our relationship with God. Do, do you know what right. I mean? I'm that's holy now. I have partake. Yeah, yeah. I've I've taken communion, box checked. Go home. I'm glowing now. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, we're supposed to do it, but but that can't be the totality. Yeah, that's right. a really good way to put it, Pastor. Tom. Yeah. Was, so right, like the idea that you know Christmas and Easter. <clears throat> great traditions but if the totality of your faith is that you show up to church on christmas and easter then yeah that's problematic yeah and i'm just looking the old testament did also talk about you know um <sighs> this is hosea 6 6 for i desire mercy not sacrifice and so uh, i guess my point in pointing that is even the old testament did talk about how god was concerned with what was going on in the heart Yes, those laws were ways to help them grow and pr and and protect themselves from being influenced by the outside world, but he was also concerned about what was going on in their heart, and I think sometimes that's where that's yeah. kind of where they got lost was is they lost sight of the heart and they it became all about the do these things you know but um and that was the totality of it but I, I don't. I don't think God ever was like, well, just do these things and don't worry about your heart. I think we do see throughout Scripture heart mattered because even with who he picked to be king was all about heart and not necessarily about yes. what, how good they were at keeping traditions or keeping ceremony. Right. Know? Which, yeah, and so even in that passage, Jesus quotes, we, we have all heard the verse, yeah, pe these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. He's quoting uh, Isaiah there. I believe it's Isaiah. Um so uh, this in the Old Testament, right? It's always been about the heart, and so it seems like that's something that we are prone to as humans, I guess, to be looking for the rules to monitor our behavior and uh, not our hearts. It just seems to be something, I guess, we keep doing. I think in some degree it's easier, <laughs> yeah, because you can do the right thing. You can do the right thing, um, and your heart doesn't have to be touched by that. You know what I mean? Uh, you can still keep your, I guess you can still keep your uh, junky attitude and still do the right thing. You know what I mean? Or like, like I can make my kids clean their room and it's real easy because I made them do it and now the room is clean. But if their attitude while cleaning it is, oh, I hate dad because he makes me do this. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? But hey, I got the I got the desired result. Yes. <laughs> you, you know, so I think I think uh, I think sometimes it's easier just to focus on those shallow things. Um because when you go deeper than the shallow stuff, then you got to really look at your heart and that involves change and change is never easy and and being honest with ourselves and is never easy. Yeah. You know? So, oh, did you have a thought Pastor? Yeah, Sorry, so yeah. I I remember my thought my my mind started running towards I remember when I mean, it was in Bible college, but I can't, I can't think of the verse right now. But there was a, we were having discussion about 
King Josiah's reign and how Josiah brought reform, like, you know, during his, during his tenure as king. And there is a passage, I believe, in Jeremiah where God speaks prophetically to the nation about basically their fake revival. And it was like, there are people who genuinely um, responded to kind of a Josiah's finding of the book of, you know, the book of the law and saying, hey, guys, we've, we've gotten way, way off base with this. You know, we need to come back. And so there are people who definitely jumped straight to it and were like, yeah, let's get back to it. But then there were people who also were like, yeah, let's get back to it. But they were not even really like their hearts were not even really in it. And there's a prophetic word where in Jeremiah where God directly speaks to them. He says, you come and assemble yourselves in these places, lift your hands and blend in with the rest of people. But in reality, I see you for what you are. Wow. And it's like, I think a lot of times we, we think about Josiah's reign and we say, man, look at this reform that he brought. But in, even in the midst of it, there were people still faking it, which yeah. is crazy to think about. But that is yeah, like what we sometimes find in the hearts of I mean not sometimes find in the hearts of man Jeremiah even speaks about it, it says the heart of man is deceitfully wicked so yeah. it's it it is what it is so um yeah I think to Pastor Todd what you were saying the Old Testament is full of places where God is like oh yeah your heart is trash like you know or your heart is straight up got some twisted stuff in it um but don't worry about it. I got a plan, which is that's the hope, right? It's like, yeah, your heart is deceitfully wicked, but I have a plan. Um, and then the irony is that our text that we're talking about is the plan arrives. And even still, they're like, man, you know, and it's like, guys, like, seriously, you, your hearts are really trash. Like, yeah, let me let me have those. Let me let me let me show you what what it really looks like to live for me. So and, you know, if you work with kids at all, you really learn how innate it is in the human being to want to always give the right answer. Mm. You know what I mean? Cause you can ask kids, Hey guys, if you could meet anybody alive today, who would you want to meet? Jesus. <laughs> okay. Well, Jesus isn't alive today, but who would you want to meet? Or, or you ask any question you ask and their answer is Jesus, the Bible. <laughs> like how can you share God with your friends? Jesus. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it becomes like the right answer. Yeah. And we, we're, we're honestly, we're really good because we know the right answer makes people happy with us, too. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, right. Even in kids and thinking like, uh, hey, did you did you hit him or hey, did you take that from him? No. But because <laughs> they think that that's the right answer. That's what right. you want. And it's harder to say. Uh, I did, yeah. Right. <laughs> I did do it. Right. And and sometimes adults, we're not that far <laughs> well, right. from well, being kids yeah, when yeah. it comes to those things, right? Could, like our yeah. first gut reaction is we want to say what you want to hear. Yeah. You know, or we want to do what 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 pleases you, or we want to do what is more socially acceptable. And it's not always easy to be honest, you yeah. know, and that's and that goes over a wide range of things. Even when we're upset about something, sometimes it's easier to be like, no, I'm fine, than it is to be honest because it just – I don't know, self-protection or, or just mode. I don't want to deal with my emotions. I don't want to deal with this sin in my heart. I don't want to whatever. So, you know. And fun fact, I know that we kind of already breezed over this, but this is the passage where we got Corbin's name. It was like one of the things that I always remembered about it was like, oh, they did this. This is kind of crazy. But I don't want, I was like, I don't want the way that I parent to be that way. And so, I remember talking to Phyllis about it, and I was like, he's the first kid. Like, you know, this is a thought. It, there was a few names on the table, but I threw out this name, and I was like, this would be a thought in regards to this that we would always remember, you know, like that our children belong to the Lord and that we're stewards of that. Um, and she was like, we, we talked about a couple different things about it, but um, I remember talking to her. I was like, oh, and by the way, this also means this because of this. And she was like, mm -hmm. Well, that seems negative. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like, but the, the positive thing about it is that we really want our children to be like, like this. And um, it's pretty cool that it's also in the Quran. So, like, um, it's definitely a thought uh, that ran throughout that particular area of, uh, of, the, of, you know, Bible times and yeah. is understood in multiple cultures about what it means and what it does. Because um, I remember we went to... We took Corbin to his doctor, and his doctor is Muslim, and the doctor was like, 
oh, did you know that this was in the Quran? And I was like, um, I know now. Like, you know, <laughs> um, and he was like, it means this, a gift devoted to God. And I was like, yeah, it's kind of the same in the Bible, too. But, you know, so, yeah, fun fact. Wow, and dude, that's really cool. So I, I didn't know that. There you go. Corbin, wow. But we spell it with a C instead of a K, you know. So okay, okay. That's the only difference. Wow. The, dude, that's awesome. There you go. Well, uh, so I guess we'll say this. You, you guys see I had like two more questions there. I'll kind of put them together. Um, so, you know, if it is about monitoring our heart, uh, how we treat other people, it's not it's 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 about what comes out of the mouth. That's what's revealing in your heart, all that stuff. You know, how do we do that? Basically, you know, I think a lot of times in Christian circles, we emphasize what we're putting in. And in this story, he's talking about physical food, and that's where Jesus is like, come on, like this this does not know. You know, you eat a, a hamburger, a pizza, or a salad. I don't care. What, what are you saying to your neighbor? Yes. So we get that, but I think we can emphasize, oh, what are you listening to? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what are you putting into your heart? Are you putting into your mind? So is that a way to do it? Do we overemphasize that? Would Jesus agree that that's important? Slash, you know, so how, how should we monitor our heart? You know, just kind of as we start to wrap up. I think that's part of it. I think what we allow our hearts and minds to hang out on does influence us. Uh, but I don't think that can. I uh, but I don't think that can be the totality of it. You know, if it, if it's just uh, if it's just don't listen to bad stuff. I I, I think. I think the nature of who we are as human beings, as fallen creatures, is that there's a lot of stuff that goes on in our heart. Uh, you can think of it as just this, like I think of a hot spring where it's always bubbling, <laughs> you know, and we got all this stuff bubbling in our heart. And so, yeah, we have to watch what we're putting in there, but we also have to consider what's already there, you know. And I, I, I think that's really, really hard. I think, I think of scripture where it talks about our the human heart is deceitful above all things. And so sometimes it's really, really hard to see these things about ourselves. It's hard to see um, my own my own shortcomings because, hey, I'm really good at seeing my shortcomings are good things, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so I think sometimes we need uh, others. We need others. We need. That's one of the blessings of relationships, and is that it tends to uh, bring out my junk (laughs) but yeah that's a good thing it's why part of why we have community and i actually think back to one of the when i started here one of the first sermons pastor jeff talked about was the johari window or in he used that as an illustration the johari window and so there's things that people know about me that i don't know and so community really helps me there and then also there's things that i don't know about me that no one knows too and and that's the importance of asking God to reveal those things. But yeah, absolutely. I just think back to that. Yeah, and that's where the Holy Spirit comes in too. For those things about ourselves that we don't see and others don't know, then you got God who sees all and knows all and has a way of bringing those things to light too. All right, let's spice it up a little bit. I don't trust everybody in the community. So why would I even allow you to speak into my life and I don't trust you? Pastor Jamal, I don't believe that was a word from God. <laughs> Let's spice it up. Let's spice you. it up. I don't trust everybody in the community. So therefore, since I don't trust everyone in the community, I don't see a necessity to subject myself to the community, especially if I see certain attitudes, behaviors, thoughts, or ideals from specific people in the community. Now I say to myself, well, hold on a second here. Um, how much of this community should I rely on for this, you know, uh, I'm I'm not saying that community is bad. So here'd be my pushback, to, or like mm-hmm. so counter thought to that. Yeah. Then, so you're right, but then I think what you were saying earlier about traditions and how we all think the same way. How so? So if if I'm going to a community and I'm like, okay, these people, I don't trust these people in this community. I don't trust these people. I don't want their influence on my life, which I'm not saying to not think. You know, we just discretion, I guess. But like the other way you can go then is saying, so I'll find a community where I'm comfortable with what everyone says to me. I'll find a community where um, 
yeah, I feel like we all think very similarly now. And now maybe I'm losing accountability too. Like you can go that way. Sure. That'd be my counter. But that's not even the perspective that I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm talking about I don't trust my junk in the hands of people who will use it to elevate themselves and make themselves feel better. Mm-hmm. Now that's the different than because because this is what this is what I think is happening in this passage. They're trying to use the disciples' junk to elevate themselves and make themselves feel better. Yes. And this is what we sometimes do in communities, in, in Christian communities. Let's keep it 100. Let's keep it spicy. <laughs> this is what we sometimes do in our Christian communities behind closed doors and then come back and assume some sort of um, – I don't know how to word it, but some sort of like elevated yes. status as yeah. if we are helping our brother and sister by taking their junk – and helping them unpack it. See how deceitfully wicked your heart is? Yes. While in the same time, back, you know, behind closed doors or with other people in community, they're saying, you know, I can't believe how deceitfully wicked this man's heart is, yeah. you know, yeah, while yeah. deceitfully wickedly, you know, gossiping about the person's yes. junk to someone else. So I, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is this, is I believe in community and I believe in the idea that community can help us in those regards, I'm also a believer that um, we need to be diligent about humbling ourselves if that is the role that we want to partake in, you know, in the lives of other believers and humbling ourselves to the sense of saying, you know what, I, you know, I'm not perfect. I know I don't, I don't have my junk together. Um, you know, how do I come alongside my brother um, in that regards and in that way? Um and then also, like what Pastor Todd was saying, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is, you know, um, I would think the ace in the hole or, you know, the first card to play <laughs> in regards to situations like this. But I do know that th- that is a thing in Christian communities. We're really good about that. And then we can make it seem as though, like, you know, they were struggling with this and I was helping them with their struggle. Yeah. But you're taking their struggle and then tossing it around in all these other places to elevate yourself. I'm not saying. Uh, I, listen, I'm, let me be the first to say I'm guilty of that. That's mm-hmm. the reason why I brought it up. Like, because yeah. I'm like, I know that I I do this, and so I'm like, Ugh. like, how do I not? Like, you know what I'm saying? How do I not? And then how do I create an atmosphere? I'm talking talking like, how do I take personal responsibility to create an atmosphere where people can say, yeah, I trust my community to be the type of people who helped me walk through my mess. Um, so yeah, that was, I was being specifically just being like a pot stirrer here. Just yeah. Well, I don't know what you want to say, Pastor Todd. <laughs> I have some thoughts. I'm trying to so, stir okay. the pot. Just trying so, to stir. So there's a couple things. I mm. think first of all, I think first of all, the reality is we do come together as a community, but there's a lot of differences within the community. Mm-hmm. Not everyone is at the same understanding of scripture. Not everyone is at the same maturity level. Not everyone is at the same spiritually level. or just like in general. Yeah. We don't have to be. Both. Well, I'm, right. spi- I'm spiritually mature, Pastor. Charles. I don't know about you. Well, <laughs> no, how about just my own personality <laughs> with maturity? Like, just yeah. make that clear. Yeah. So, and then and then there's also the aspect that some people handle or are much more wise in how they handle scripture than others, and and so I think community doesn't necessarily mean that you put all your junk out there for everybody. That's not wisdom. (laughs) (laughs) Wisdom is you have community. Yes. Generally speaking, there are benefits to community, even with people who are on different hmm, places, spectrums than we are. You know, it's not necessarily a ladder, but the spectrum thing, you know. But then there's also wisdom and allowing others that we do trust that have shown themselves to have wisdom who have shown themselves to to handle god's word well who have shown themselves to respect confidentiality and those are the people that sometimes we reveal more to yeah but even within that you know what i think there is wisdom like i can learn a lot from the kids that i work with and they can help show me some things because when i get upset and frustrated with them because they're not just simply doing what I say. It does reveal some of my heart, and I can learn from that, too. Mm-hmm. So so I think there's a lot of different levels, but I think sometimes the things that are more um, um, dangerous, uh, that's not the right word. I don't um, know. Risky, risky to share. You have to be more 
wise with who you share those things with. You, you, sure. you know what I mean? Like, um, I can learn from, I can learn from crabby people <laughs> because when people are crabby with me in the body, sometimes it reveals I'm crabby back. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so yeah. something is revealed there. Yeah. And, and even sometimes they're right when they say something. Yeah. Maybe I don't like how they said it, yeah. but you know, sometimes there's some truth in there, you yeah. know, that mm-hmm. I can learn from. But then when it comes to the things that maybe are more vulnerable, Oh, that's a better word. Uh, it's opposed to dangerous oh, things yeah, that are yeah. more vulnerable. Yeah, that, was, that was the word. Probably. Um, uh, then using more wisdom yeah. about who you share that mm. thing, but it's still community because I still need the other person. Yes, sometimes I see that it's just I have to be choosy about the person. And choosy. I think you know some things like what you said earlier, Pastor Jamal, <coughs> humility, and you know maybe you threw yourself under the bus a little bit there, but to something I think you have modeled in uh, conversations in the past. I think on the podcast too when you feel like maybe even there's something God has given you to say to somebody or whatever. I, f- I feel like God, maybe whatever you always, you know, you back it up first. Hey, you know, uh, I don't know if this is going on in your life. I don't know what God's been speaking to you about. I may be totally wrong. Here's something that I'm feeling right now though. And you kind of like say it that way. You have that humility about it. And then you also allow for the possibility of if I was totally out of my element, like, yeah. can you let me know? I know you've said that before. And so I think, Having that attitude, like just to go off what you said, I think that's one way that you earn the right to speak in someone's life, not simply just deciding you do. Or I read this, you know, I was saying this as a kind of a rule of thumb. You know, when you listen to a sermon and you're like, oh my gosh, I just wish so and so was here. Yeah, yes. Rule of thumb is probably it's for you. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's you're, that's not good. <laughs> We're always like so and so. I wish so and so was here because. Because while you're thinking about so and so being here, you're not listening to what he's yeah. saying. <laughs> I, and, and I'm I'm guilty of that. I think of that like, oh man, I just wish someone was listening. To this. Man, this would be so good for this person right now. I'm like, well, they're not here. Like, guess who's here? You know, you are. So that's and I, I, think, and I think it depends because sometimes yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, this yeah. is a really good sermon that would be really encouraging to yes, to yeah, Sarah. Yeah, totally, that's different. Us who wow, he's really hitting hard on that topic. Sarah needs to hear they it got because a real Sarah's a sinner. <laughs> yeah. Like there's a difference there too, <laughs> you know? but then yeah. I wanted to say too, as maybe in a practical sense as well, and just uh, kind of a little plug for small groups here. I know most of our small groups that have been meeting, it was kind of organically, kind of um, are starting to not meet now as we're entering the summer. So we're looking at a September launch. If you're listening, and um, so you can kind of to expect that that they'll be ramping up soon uh, at that time. But I want to say that I think small groups are a great way to. Um, find out, if, like you said, Pastor Jamal. Man, sometimes I feel like I don't trust everybody, or, or, or yeah. How, how, Pastor Todd, what you said? How can I be vulnerable? How do I um, uh, open up to the right people at the right times? Small groups, a lot of times, should be that place. I'll say that. I'll say they should be that place, and that's what we want to be creating here at our church. Yeah, it doesn't make sense on Sunday to come over here and just walk around to people, tell them what their problem is, or talk about all my problems. Oh, man, I'm really, you know, like in the middle of the sermon or whatever. Sometimes, again, yeah, I'm not speaking against those moments that you may have with somebody, but that may not always be the avenue or the venue. And so a small group um, can a lot of times be that venue. Again, there's appropriate ways to do that. You don't come in there and make it about yourself all of a sudden. Oh, let me tell you about everything I'm struggling with. Let me tell you. Oh, you guys got to pray for me. I have, you know. Not like that, but as far as, hey, how can I find a way to trust someone who can be there for me? The support of a small group is a really great way to do that. Right, and I think what's key that small groups is good at mm, facilitating, um, but is necessary when you're deciding who you want to listen to, what voices and what voices you share with is the idea of relationship. That's the thing about all of it. Yes, you just hit it learning learning to know people well and be close to people and then knowing what people really care about you it, you know you don't want to share something with people who don't care <laughs> you yeah. know that's where you start getting into dangerous land but if you small group is a good place to meet people and have those um moments where you learn how to relate to people and and draw close together i guess that's what i'm trying yeah. to say is draw close together and then you say, okay, well, this here's a person that I can trust, and I know they care for me, so let me take this moment and share with them or whatever.
Hey, well, uh, I want to say thanks for joining us, everybody. Um, we actually have a meeting coming up, our network summit, formerly known as District Council. Um, it's going to be virtual this time, so we're going to be sitting for a couple hours in front of the computer all together, but uh, maybe I'll grab my lunch and eat with you guys. I wanted to say this, though. I always feel like at these things, you guys can tell me if you feel the same way. I feel like I'm at the Jedi Council. You don't think so, Pastor Jamal? Oh, I'm like, I, was yeah, gonna, I didn't know where you, I didn't like, know where you were going, and I was just not no. going to put my opinion out there on the no, very way. I'm just good. like, it is, because even if even what you do what you do and don't like, it'd be like the Jedi. Like, we've talked about this before. Like, you know, you come to the council, you do... Yeah, this guy's over here. This we guy's a great Jedi. We do not give you the rank of master. Whatever. Yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. But it's it's like we're talking about the same things. Like, all right, we're gonna we need to vote on this. We're gonna talk about blah blah blah. I'm like, dude, I just feel like it's the Jedi Council. Yeah. I don't I don't know because in the end, I mean, a lot of people think the Jedi Council were really the ones holding back the universe, so <laughs> the galaxy. Uh, we've we've had this discussion, so I don't know that I want to compare that. All right, like I'm that. just saying. I guess it feels like a very important, serious meeting. Yes, no, other no, ministers. I Saying, Jedi. I just, here's here's context. Pastor Jamal and I have had conversations with other people about how really it's the Jedi who are the bad people, and the, the Empire was really just trying to help people <laughs> liberate a generation of people. No, just kidding. no. I, I think that um, yeah, I do. I do get council vibes sometimes, and I think that um, I mean they're. Tr- I think they're trying to do good stuff, but I think sometimes we just. I think that the danger, and this is just my. I would say this about any council. The danger sometimes in the councils is that we get circled up and we start talking about stuff. And then I think sometimes we miss the people who we're trying to actually try to help. Which, like, and which kind of feels like that happened in Star Wars a little <laughs> bit. That's a little bit. They, they got a little out of touch. You got a little, a little out too of comfy. touch. I rest yeah. my case. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But that doesn't mean they're evil or no, no, you no, no, walk no, no. away, right? That's no, what no. I told. That's what I was telling you, Pastor. Jamal. Yeah, so but you I'm, know what's easy. Being a gray Jedi, yeah, just and I love keeping it. all the powers Jedi, and no accountability. Gray no. Jedi is the you know best. what's hard? Gray Staying Jedi. in there and doing the work. Is being no. the Jedi counselor, but you can't move. working hard. That's to... the hard work. <laughs> no, see, the tough thing about it is being in the council. You, if you stick with, if you stay in the order, <laughs> this has gotten so <laughs> off the beat. We're 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 full. We've talked about this. This is, this is full throttle nerd right now. So if you're if you're listening to this and you're not a nerdy type mindset, this is not. This is we're going deeper. So uh, <laughs> just get yourself ready. But to stay in the order that has been established for millennia and think that you're going to move the needle sometimes is crazy idealistic. It takes more guts to leave the safety of the order and trudge out on your own and live by your convictions and know that you're actually doing something great. But we're not okay. saying you should leave the church and start your own church. Okay? <laughs> I see. Yeah, yeah, I see that. I see that. No, you're right. The safety of the order. Oh, right. That's it. You can't take it that way. How many denominations do we have? You know what? I can think of one problem with ours. I'm going to make a new one now. No. No, just, just, we need it. How many do we have? A Be thousand? a voice of influence. Yeah, right? I yes. think, yeah. No, but I think, I don't know. But it, it's either it's either I trudge out and go out on my own or you kick me out. Like, that's how I feel like they usually go with the great. I feel like that's how it goes. Listen, if they would have kicked Anakin out, they would have kicked him out. If he didn't. If he burn didn't, it down, if he didn't burn it down, I guess they would have kicked him out. 100%. Yeah, if he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna burn it down," they're like, "Well, you can leave." Now. Yeah, sure. <laughs> no, yeah, no, that's your attitude. So if that's how you no. feel, yeah, I'm they just gonna burn want, this whole place down. Want, they didn't even want him there. I don't. Anyway. I don't know. Not, not I don't they, know. Not everyone. Yo, yeah, Mace gosh. had a problem. Yo, I get no, it. Ma- no, Mace had a problem. Master Windu. Yoda. Yoda knew there was issues there. Yoda. Yeah, but he wasn't super. It wasn't like he was pro Anakin. The only person who was pro Anakin was Obi Wan. Yeah, and even Obi Wan. Even Obi Wan left. Even Obi Wan at the end was like, "Yeah, I think I'm just going here's here's the thing though. I don't thing. <laughs> see Obi Wan. No, I think they were still, I think they got burned down. The whole thing got burned down. By technical definition, I think Obi Wan would have left too. Mm. He's him. He Qui Gon is the goat. First off, like Qui Gon yeah, is the no, goat. He was Qui-Gon, already Qui-Gon, like yeah. he was already like yeah. I don't know. He about was this. seeing it. no. All right. So it, if Qui Gon had walked away, that would have shook Obi Wan. Maybe he would have went too. Obi Wan was on the verge of but because but yeah if if. He wouldn't have left without Qui Gon. I, I think Obi Wan so. would have dipped. No, I think Obi Wan because no, he remained faithful even even for years in the desert. But twenty Obi-Wan, years. Obi Wan believed in Anakin when no one else believed in Anakin. Yes. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, like yeah. he was like 
pro. He was like, "Yo, Which, I think that this can this kid but that can was, do some things." That was a struggle for him though, because he didn't always believe in Anakin, and I think he would go back and forth. He didn't want to train he, him originally, right? He only did it because to honor Qui Gon. But I think and he came to believe in him. Guys, this is a whole other podcast. But <laughs> honestly, honestly, though, I don't think they would have kicked out Anakin because here's the problem. Once they started training him and they realized how powerful he was, I think they were afraid. Mm-hmm. So I think they purposely were keep, you know what I mean, to kick him out, at least in the order. They had some sense of but if, control over him. Well, I mean, also, but, he was being manipulated. If we go right. to another level, he was being, if he wasn't being manipulated by the Emperor... If he wasn't being groomed, maybe they wouldn't have been like, "Oh my gosh, he's powerful." They would have been like, hey, "But he's being manipu- he's being manipulated by the council." He we was. don't grant you the rank of master, but yeah, he's but just as good. I'm saying you're talking about after a lifetime of also being, man- or at least ten years of being manipulated by this the chancellor. So then being counter manipulated by the the Jedi, take him out of the equation. Powerful Anakin walks in. Maybe it would have been everything would have been on the up and up, but that's not what happened. And then he killed the younglings. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, they were going to kick him out while he did murder the younglings. No, but I'm saying I mean, he was that. already, they were already, they were already mad suspect. They was already mad suspect of my man, Anakin. Yeah. And they were really like, they weren't fans. They weren't giving him the rank of master. I mean, maybe they were blinded by their own traditions. <laughs> oh, there it is. That's the truth. Smith. That's the truth. I'm going to bring the, it back. That's the bring truth. It back. They were blinded by their own traditions. That they couldn't even. Well, in general, because they did break tradition by allowing him to be on the council and not the Jedi So they should have stuck to their traditions, and it never would have happened. They were like, "No, no, no, we can, we can get out of our traditions." You're not a Jedi master. (laughs) 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 Sheldon's gonna love this. We're gonna. He's gonna love the end of this podcast. He's gonna be like living for this. It was a rickroll. Oh, I get to be on the council? Yeah, but when you click the link, you find out you're not a Jedi. <laughs> That's true. All right, everybody. Uh, we'll see you next time. It's been fun. Thanks Bye. for joining yeah. us.